Life at Tucker's Ranch agreed with Haynes and Bella, although it took them several months to get there. It was June now, and assassination matters in Dallas weren't much clearer, but Haynes felt further away from that and all of the old life every day. After the President's murder that awful Friday, he had taken to immediate radio silence and disappeared. The same as any operative within a day's drive of Dallas had, unless they had a clear official purpose to be at the parade. All the questions and finger-pointing demanded it. Being recognized by Horace Ortiz during the motorcade might have been coincidence, but having also seen Gilroy and other known guns around the city made Texas a hot zone while the smoke cleared. Haynes had used a non-company-issued passport, made his way on civilian airways to islands in the Caribbean he'd read about, and for the first time ever slipped off the company grid. Implications of his coincidental presence in Dealey Plaza didn't materialize into any detectable signs of trouble while he was in the islands. For a couple of months he'd fished the remote Abaco chain with a local crew, waiting for a fax to emerge that never did, and thought of Texas and Bella every day. While watching Kennedy's funeral on television in his room, Haynes didn't stifle tears when the riderless horse passed in its slow, prancing progression behind the caisson. The president's boots turned backward in the stirrup. Nothing said fallen hero like the riderless horse. Though he was what seemed to be worlds away from reality, Jack Ruby's cold-blooded murder of the president's alleged assassin shocked the deepest corners of the globe. Distraction drama was a familiar ruse to Haynes, but the average American seemed to be buying it. With Lee Oswald's demise, Haynes knew they both were fall guys, and all hope for a solvable crime had vanished. There could never be a trial to prove or disprove the lone gunman's crime.